be it should be good. So I'm excited to see what happens with with those. I'm excited for this weekend too. We we should be able to generate a lot of interest. No, in sir. We, we so. are we are Robin Hood. That's how I was going to tease it tonight. <laughs> that we are Robin Hood. Oh, we're li- we're live live. We're not, yeah, we're not starting the show. Yeah. Some podcasts do where uh, they shoot. Where they, you know, they'll just warm up live, and they'll hit their intro button at the time the show is supposed to start, Hold on. and just go. So me, we me, got me, an me. after show. Yeah, oh. there you go. Yeah, oh, no, good. So, so it's like a whole, uh, you know, adding more editing. Oh, well, I assume we're not leaving. He this said, "Go ahead." Podcast, you said, so. you, "See, you. That's what you always Look. say. I don't care. Go ahead. Do whatever you, what you want." I, 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 oh, am that's incredible. I am what is called a he classic is. enabler. I just like to enable he is, you he guys. He is way too. He's way do too. Do whatever enabled. you guys want. I just, I just want everybody to be happy. That's all I care about here. So, that's all I you did, care about Jeff, our happiness. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate happiness. that. In my happiness, not, not the guy in the uh, the quadrant above me. No, no. Oh, of course I care about Felix's happiness too. Matt, I don't I don't know how you this is Wednesday and this is my fourth podcast. And by Wednesday, you've recorded four all seventeen. Right? Uh by or, Wednesday. Or more than that. Depends on what does Sunday count as this week or last week's? That's a good No, point. it gets published Monday, right? Well, I do this the Friday oh, Night Light yeah. show on Sundays, and then I do the Monday show. Then I have a Monday. Well, I don't do the Monday show anymore for Roundtable because that's the only day Paula has off that we're together. So I I don't do that anymore. But I do Tuesday's program, and then we got this, and then Thursday, Friday, two shows. Saturday, three shows. We are going to get to the show. For anybody who's paying attention, we just thought we would hit the go live button. For I'm also working on another started. project. Hoping to drop on the oh, YouTube channel. Cryptic. Too. Cryptic. Oh, I'll cryptic say what it is. Uh, QB stuff. I was, I was talking a lot today with some people about some QBs. I just love, I personally love watching the quarterback position. So I'm getting a bunch of all 22 from some people, and I'm going to start talking about some QBs. Just dropping like a video on the YouTube channel here and there just to do that. More consistent. Do you think that we would get more of an audience at the beginning of the show if we did open the or start the live stream? Like earlier before we, but the intro is thirty minutes long. I mean, the intro it's two minutes. The intro video it's it, it, it so like hard. Minutes. It is so hard to cut, and we don't even have anything good from Moxley in there. There's so many like good lines. In oh, there. I'm not. I'm hard. not even we, in the intro video. I don't care. We play. We, we <laughs> need a producer. <laughs> that's why we need a producer. The because problem is, it's like it's. There's so many good things in that intro. Like so many, like the basis of our shows that we're losing someone. I don't know who Austin, Austin. is, but we're losing him already. So yeah, it is 8 30, and I know you love to be on time. Are we gonna I play do. our intro? Are, are we gonna play our intro video? I just want to know if I can minute, get what up, do you think? Get a, get a snack, yeah. what's, go to the what's bathroom, take a nap really quick. Eat dinner, microwave. You, do, you, microwave can. you can go ahead and make coffee. Yeah. What's something that you think the audience would not know? suspect about us be about this show behind the scenes i am very anal about us starting right at 9 30 you are no, i shut, shut up let's go let's go let's go you you ready to hit the intro video yeah all right let's this go. is kyle cord and you're listening to austin felix and matt on the w debate welcome to the w debate all right boys are we ready to debate Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. 
Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta's time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. We're going to be bringing in Barnabas Lee later on to talk about the 2024 running back class and who is the number one running back in that class, Travion Henderson, Braylon Allen. What? What? Moxley. Oh, I forgot Chris you Moxley. don't ever look at the show. When I never starts. looked. Okay, Chris Moxley is wearing a Joe Dirt wig, a cowboy hat. He is celebrating, I'm guessing, when yours tonight. You totally distracted me from the intro to the show. He's our king. I'm sorry. I was. I was Speak for yourself, yeah. Chris Moxley. No, I, I I'm here to celebrate the uh, the chosen one, the prince who was promised. Hmm. <laughs> Game sample size, though, right? Um, hey, we talk sig- what we got signature sample size. Signature sample size is what I call it. Now we're all now we're all hyped up. That just it figures. Uh, and then where where was Mike Leach? I didn't put this on the show. Where was Mike Leach on January 6th? Are we getting into politics tonight? Oh, I honestly I have no idea what you're even referencing. <laughs> I have no idea what you're even talking <laughs> Moxley, about. Moxley, that's that's Moxley must have put that on the show sheet. Um, that was one. Of, that was one of those. Uh, um, what's the word for it? Gold mines where you where you find it on the show. Easter eggs. Easter eggs for those who check check and don't check the show sheet. We are, we're already floundering. Listen, Matt's exhausted. I'm exhausted. Chris Moxley just sat down 30 seconds before the show show started. Um, We're all over the place. Let's talk about the game Saturday. Um, It is, we're in conference play. So there are ranked teams playing and these are some, Big games. I think none bigger, Matthew, than Alabama at Tennessee. Yeah. A Tennessee offense that has to be a top 10 offense in the country under Josh Heupel. And then Hooker is fi- f- firing all cylinders. They don't even have Cedric Tillman right now. 
He might be back for this game. Brew McCoy has had a resurgence. I this game is in Knoxville. I there I think Tennessee could win this game. Alabama is not the Alabama of old. What do you think about this game? I am a very excited for. I think this is a massive weekend, just like this last weekend was. It's a a, a shakeup Saturday, you may want to call it, with the way that things could be changed here with some of these big teams playing. My big fear with with Tennessee and betting on them is, I feel like you're betting against Nick Saban, who just finds a way to win these games because of how good he is his game planning for an offense. And Tennessee, I don't know, is as good as we have necessarily hyped them up to be. I think they could have easily lost a pit back in whatever that was, week one. If Keaton Slovis doesn't get hurt, uh, that defense, I think, will allow a lot of uh, explosive plays against Alabama, especially if Bryce Young is out there. I know that offense hasn't necessarily been clicking on all cylinders, but this may upset Georgia fans. I think Alabama's defense is actually the best defense in the country. I would be curious to see what Hendon Hooker and this offense will be able to do against him. I do expect it to be a good game. I don't expect this to be any kind of Alabama blowout. But right now, I'm. it's hard for me to say I would pick Tennessee as much as I think they could do it. When did we become the talk about games on the upcoming slate show? Today. So what happens when Austin just like is not here? We just we don't we we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do with ourselves. Listen, we got is five that, ranked on ranked matchups. I feel like if we, we didn't talk about it, we would we would be a uh, we'd be in the doghouse for some people. Not not talking about these these games. I mean, yeah, I mean, Ala- his, Alabama Tennessee's four versus six. And in, in fairness, the SEC. Yeah, in fairness, you didn't go straight to like whatever it was Minnesota Illinois, which or, or Kent State Toledo, which has like no. Debbie talent whatsoever. At least, at least we're somewhat sticking to our roots going Alabama, Tennessee. We're, we're pulling a uh, back to Debbie here. And we're talking about the high end guys, you know, the guys that everybody already knows about. Is Hendon Hooker a first round draft pick? No. Like, no. In, in what we're like, maybe in a multiverse? Yeah. <laughs> in the multiverse? <laughs> yes. He is somewhere. Is the there Hendon, a universe? Hendon Hooker variant. Where, you know, Here's, is out there that that's a first round pick. Yes. Here's, here's what I'll say about hooker. And I, I'm very curious to see what both of you guys think about this as well. I feel like, I don't want to say it's a gimmicky offense, but I don't think we've it ever is. seen a quarter. Okay. I wasn't going to say that. It's but, the, okay. it's the Baylor it's offense gimm- is what it it's is. It's the Baylor offense. offense. We have not seen any of those quarterbacks go into the NFL and thrive. Well, I do think Kendon hooker is a good quarterback and he's made some good throws this year the one thing i will say is i've only really watched two games live haven't gone back and watched any of them i don't i think we're just trying to over inflate this bad quarterback class because we know the nfl has a bunch of quarterbacks who are on the way out and we're just trying to make fetch happen maybe he ends up being a first round quarterback but if i'm looking at this from a fantasy point which i really am excited to talk about barnabas with Mm because that dude is extremely smart when it comes to the nfl side of things i think we view things differently from the fantasy side Maybe Hooker becomes a first-round pick because he's a guy who could step into an offense today and run it because of, of I think, just maybe he's talented enough. I don't think but so. I don't That's think not a pro-style fantasy offense. guy. Oh, I agree. I don't know what. I don't think he can step into what offense he can step. I don't think that he can. I don't think that he could step into, you know, some offense and run I formation and play action and all that yeah. stuff. He doesn't do he that. Runs the, he runs the Baylor offense, which is an incredibly successful college offense. Like it's really hard to stop. I think Heupel's been running it forever and it works. Right, like it, yeah. it works at the college level. I had hooker has no NFL traits besides his rushing ability. 
And like, I think he's when, a pretty smart dude. When you say um, the Baylor offense, you're talking about the Art Bryles offense. You don't mean yeah, the current yeah. Bryles. Because no, current, no, 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 no. The current about, like, the Art Baylor Bryles offense, offense yeah, yeah, yeah. is, in fact, a pro-style offense. Yeah. Uh, 49ers. Sorry, I should have clarified that. Under, yeah. yeah, under Jeff Grimes. I would actually put more stock in Blake Shapin being able to run a pro-style offense today than Hendon Hooker. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. And I remember when Hendon Hooker was at Virginia Tech, how bad yes. he was? Who did he, he split time with? Quarterback. I forgot who he split time. He split time with somebody else. I can't remember who that was. Uh, producer, Braxton Burmeister? Was that it? Was, I don't I, remember. I, I don't remember either. Can I can I answer Austin's question here? What did he what did he say? For for those of you listening, he says, Can you explain how it's a bad QB class when we have two very strong prospects? Feels like 2021 has changed the definition of a strong QB class for how for many because five uh went in the top 15. When I say a bad QB class, Austin, I don't necessarily mean that Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are bad. I think they are both very good prospects. When I say bad class, I mean the fact that we're trying to prop up players like Hendon Hooker and Tyler Van Dyke and say they're first-round quarterbacks. Will Levis as well. If those guys go in the first round, when I mean bad quarterback classes, I don't think any of those three really have much chance of thriving in the NFL. So that's what I mean by bad quarterback class. The only two quarterbacks I am betting on are CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. I've said that before, said it on Twitter. I, I don't mean they're bad and it's going to be a bad class overall. I just would not bet on anybody outside those top two. Pretty much. Okay. No argument yeah. there. I Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, Penn State, this is so weird. This is not how we start a show talking about games on the upcoming slate. We've never done this. I obviously did not make the show sheet today listen you ask you say hey mox can you make this the show sheet and we happen to have one of the best weekends of college football in a very long time where we're having multiple top it we have four top 15 matchups and so there must be debbie potential on some of these high-end teams who are recruiting at a top 10 level each year just throwing that out there college football debates back baby it's my favorite college football debate <laughs> does okay um Penn State, Michigan. I feel like the, the real uh, Debbie prospects in this game are the freshmen for Penn State. Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen. Um, they're the high-end players in this in, the, uh, in this game. On the Michigan side, you've got Blake Corum. I don't know if J.J. McCarthy is a Debbie asset. Maybe. Depends, yeah. Matthew, d- does, does Drew Aller make that Penn State offense one that you want to have pieces of in C2C outside of just the the backfield? Do you think yes. that he will elevate the wide receivers around him? Yes. That's an easy yes for me. Uh, we talked about signature sample size to start off the show with Quinn Ewers. Same thing with Drew Holler for me. I know he's only made like 10 throws. That's good enough. As Matt Waldman said, sometimes you just see a couple plays and you know he's got it. Drew Holler has it. Colin Decker, one of the great founders here at CampusToCant.com, and I have argued about this on Twitter over the past couple days multiple times. Sean Clifford, safe choice, knows how to run the offense. Get out of here. Don't care. You want to beat Michigan, you put in the better player overall, and that is Drew Aller. He's going to make some mistakes, no doubt about it. That kid is amazing. I think he's going to lift this Why is he starting? If he's so amazing, because James Franklin's an idiot. I mean that with no disrespect, James Franklin. If you ever listen to this, <laughs> with no disrespect, no disrespectful. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. 
I learned that from Ricky Bobby. As long as you say no disrespect, it is not disrespectful. No, I I get it. It's something we see coaches do this all the time, right? Like they lean veteran deference. They feel like Sean Clifford's not going to make the mistakes, and they feel like it's going to be a close game. We want to just stay in the game. Our defense is going to win us the game. But I re- maybe I'm just wrong. We're about to talk about how wrong I've been so far this season as we get to that later in the show sheet. Drew Oller, I think, can lift this offense to a level that Sean Clifford can't even – he's not even in that atmosphere. And, and I don't understand why they don't just play these guys because I think Oller can do it. We need to pat ourselves on the back because he had Nick Singleton as RB4 coming into the season before he played a collegiate snap. And he pretty much hasn't changed, hasn't hasn't uh, wavered from that ranking, and he's he's warranted our lofty projection of him. Um, on the other side, Blake Corm, Chris Moxley, do you see him coming out and being a part of the twenty twenty three draft class? I think so. I, I think he will come out. Um, he's been really good this year. I mean, he's kind of in that Hassan Haskins role where uh, he's being a featured part of that offense as the RB one. Uh, the one a especially Donovan Edwards is kind of dealt with a couple injuries here and there. So I, I understand why, but I'd be surprised if he didn't come out. I don't know that I like him as much as some of the other uh, Debbie community does. I just have questions about his game and like his ability to run through run between the tackles and his size. Like there's a lot on his profile that I have questions about, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I do think he comes out and I do think he'll ultimately gets day two draft capital. That's a, that's another issue because I don't think that, I have doubts about whether Donovan Edwards is going to be deployed as the bell cow running back like Hassan Haskins, like Blake Corum has. I think that they would have gotten him more involved in the running game this year if that was going to be the case next year. Um, but it's been, what, a 70-30 split? Something like do they, that? Do they have anyone that makes you feel better about that running game? I mean, they're bringing, what, Cole Cabana next year? There's Hannibal. there's a freshman there yeah. now that I cannot I, I his name is slipping my mind that they're high on a legend. Um, I know you're talking about. They talked about him in spring. I honestly can't remember his name either though. He was the third string running back. That's college football. That's college football debate topics. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was gonna look college it up. I'll find debate. it. I'll find it. Oklahoma State, TCU, NC State, Syracuse, Minnesota, Illinois, and Kent State, Toledo. All matchups. Here on the show sheet as Chris Moxley. Hey, that game could decide the Mac. Don't, don't, don't disrespect (laughs) the Kent State Toledo game. I put a Maxion game on the show sheet all the time for college fantasy tonight. So no issue with they're they're important. Don't, don't, don't disrespect the Mac in this house. Speaking of college fantasy tonight, uh, this weekend we had. Barnabas Leon and Barnabas is always part of our coverage for college fantasy tonight. And we had a question on the show uh, sheet about who is the 20, the RB one in the 2024 class and Barnabas presented some interesting arguments for who he believed was the RB one. Again, this is the class of Travion Henderson, Braylon Allen, um, uh, Raheem Sanders, those guys, Barnabas, welcome to the show. We can find you at you got to tell me your Twitter again. Say your Twitter <laughs> because I can never remember it. It's all a whole bunch of letters. Yeah, so my Twitter PK, is at PKJBLee. Yep. PKJBLee on Twitter, and you can find his uh, fight card article weekly at campus2canton.com. Barnabas, thank you for joining us. Barnabas, who is the RB1 in the 2024 class? 
Yeah. Uh, first of all, sorry for being late. I had to, you know, uh, hit for the one hit wonders today. So uh, that that was uh, the reason well, for my tardiness. What was the stat line? Uh, stat line, uh, two walks, uh, two for three, one home run. Yeah, Jeez, man. The, the, oh, discipline, the discipline it takes to take walks is amazing. I will, I will give yeah. you that. Uh, the base percentage this- is killer, man. Yeah, I, I try. I try. I really do. Um, they put me at leadoff, so I can't really field, so I got to do something, right? Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, shout out to David Wolf if he's listening. Um, anyway, but it's the 2024 uh, running back class. I think we can all agree that the top three are uh, some order of Henderson, Sanders, and Allen, right? As of right now, obviously a lot can change, but I think I think we can all agree that those three are the top. Um, and so I, I was kind of going in based on like games I had watched of other people on Saturday. Um, but I did a little homework this time, so I'm a little more prepared. Um, and so, uh, I can go through this a bunch of ways, but ultimately, oh, and Shipley, I guess is worth a mention, but he's a kind of different kind of running back and he's probably not going to lead a backfield in the NFL. Um, and so my argument was that Allen is in my opinion, the top running back in this class as of right now, because of what he can do um, in terms of the long runs. And Matt, you, you tweeted the other day about um, how he just doesn't, he doesn't, he refuses to go down in negative or zero yardage gains, um, which is very, you know, like Marion Barber was kind of the one that made it sexy back, like, you know, 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago. And so, um, you know, as a Cowboys fan, that makes me really happy, but um Braylon Allen is more known for breaking off these, you know, 70 yard runs up the middle of all places. Right. Um, As opposed to someone like Henderson, who is a little smaller um, and he can do some other things, but Henderson requires a lot better blocking than I think Allen does. And uh, Sanders is the same height as Allen, maybe like 10 pounds lighter. Um, and he can do a lot of things. And I actually think that Sanders might be the best receiver out of the three, which I think is a hot take uh, for I some. I agree, but, actually. Yeah. Um, he is a former receiver, so I don't know that that's necessarily a hot take. But people would probably perceive Travion Henderson, the five-star who's been compared to Christian McCaffrey. But no, you're right on. Go ahead. Yeah. So um, so I, I went back and watched two games for each of these guys uh, just to make sure I was right on track here. Um, so for Braylon Allen, I watched Nebraska and Illinois State. For Henderson, I watched Penn State and Akron, uh, which some of these are last year's games uh, for the record. Um, tape is hard to find out there. Um, so, uh, and for Sanders, I watched South Carolina and Texas A&M. Um, and so my, my, I guess the, the <laughs> most attention-grabbing thing I got out of this is maybe some comps. Uh, and so, you know, people, yes. the people love the yes, player comps, right? The comps. Yes, um, and so for Braylon Allen, I have to say it's kind of a, like, faster mini version of Brandon J like he is he is big and like that is his calling card for sure but the thing is Brandon Jacobs got longer runs but he wasn't pulling off those 70 yard touchdowns he was getting 40 yards and then getting tackled eventually with seven people on him um and so I think Allen is faster than that he's also a little smaller than that because he's not 260 pounds which you know uh has its merits but also its drawbacks um so for Allen, I think he can be that big physical bruiser, but he has higher, he has a higher ceiling. Um, and then for Sanders, I see more of that Marion Barber type where he's physical and he's big. Like those biceps are bigger than my thighs, right? Like those things are just <laughs> crazy. Um, but 
at the end of the day, he he's he requires a little bit more blocking than Braylon Allen, I think. I think, um, and we can come back to that in a second. Um, and then Trayvon Henderson reminds me of a little bit of a less physical Devonte Freeman. Um, I know Devonte mm. Freeman's calling card was like this big, like bruising, like he's fast, but he's just gonna try to run over people. Henderson is not as quite as bruising, but he does look for contact in certain areas um, that I noticed. And so uh, that was interesting. And I'll throw Shipley in there too. Shipley reminds me of like a light Austin Eckler a little bit um, and the way he moves and maybe I'm racist or not. I don't know. <laughs> but- All right, so just to recap here, um, so, uh, Braylon Allen, you've got a, a, a Brandon Jacobs comp on him. Travion Henderson, you've got a Devontae Freeman comp on him. Austin Eckler for Will Shipley, and who's the one I'm missing here? Uh, Barber on Sanders. On Raheem Sanders. Okay. Yeah. I actually wanted to put Barber on Allen, but I think Allen plays so much bigger. People forget Marion Barber was only like 5'10 or something. He was kind of on the smaller side, even though he was, you know, dunking on linebackers all the time. But, um, yeah. So unfortunately, I don't have anything to disagree with him on now. I I wanted to have this discussion because he he talked about having Allen and at his as his one, and and the main part of the discussion that I wanted to focus on, and I can still we can still talk about it is you are extremely smart when it comes to all this stuff with football. And I know that you mostly appro- approach this from like an NFL draft side, right? Like you don't yeah. care as much about the fantasy side of things, which is where I was going to come in and agree with you on Braylon Allen. Like I could very easily see him being the first running back drafted in 24 because of his size. You mentioned on, on the Saturday show that his explosiveness, right? Like that's what NFL teams are looking for. My fear with him was he brings you no receiving production. And so that's what I wanted to ask you about with that. If, if you looked at it from a fantasy side of things, could you see why so many of us in the fantasy space are worried about Braylon Allen? Because you are looking at him trying to hit in a very limited area. You mentioned Brandon Jacobs. A lot of people mentioned him as Derrick Henry. Those are really the only two big running backs that have hit from a fantasy side of things. Like, I have no doubt he's going to be a first-round draft capital guy. I don't, I don't think Moxley and Austin, I think, probably lean closer to me on having questions about Braylon Allen than feel like I know Felix has been all in on Braylon since last year. I think our biggest fear is that is like, he brings you no receiving production. So if he doesn't hit Brandon Jacobs and Derrick Henry, which I think both are, you could argue unicorns in their own ways. Then while Braylon Allen may be very good for the NFL, he's not going to do much for you fantasy wise. Um, Sure. Although I will say, so I know Henderson's been in and out because of injury and stuff. Uh, But the rate at which they catch passes like Henderson gets more yards. Like, so the stat line for this year in the receiving game is Braylon Allen is six for 28. Uh, Henderson is four for 41 with a touchdown. So like neither of those backs are really getting attention. And I know Ohio state's been cycling their backs and uh, Henderson's been a little injured. Um, Sanders still also only has 14 catches. So we're talking eight touches over the course of six games is the difference. That's one, what one and a quarter difference. Um, So I, in terms of like how their teams are using them right now, which is like where they should have the biggest advantage compared to the defenses they're playing against. Right. Like they're not going to have these physical advantages in in the NFL, right? Linebackers are six, two, unlike in college where they're like five, 10, you know, and flying around. Um, And so I think, I, I can understand where like 
Braylon Allen is big, but he cannot run. He can't run routes. <laughs> he just really can't. Um, and it looks funky. And, you know, maybe we'll see more of it now that Graham Mertz is looking like Aaron Rodgers out there with uh, Paul Chris out. out. <laughs> um, I know that was a meme going around uh, this week. But, you know, I, I get where it's coming from. And I agree with you in that Allen is definitely the not the the least best out of these three at uh, – at receiving. So I, I will give you that. Um, I, it, it, here's my thing. So I think pass pro is more important than receiving actually in the long run in the NFL. And so if you want to like Zeke has made a career out of just pass pro essentially, right? Uh, Tony Pollard actually is a, what was it? Sam Monson from uh, PFF was arguing about it this, this week on, on Twitter, right? Like Tony Pollard has a higher uh, like, average after contact or something than Zeke does this year. But Zeke is on the field because anytime Tony Pollard is in a, on a passing down, the quarterback gets slaughtered. <laughs> it's just, it's not pretty. And so if you want to go on pass pro, none of these quarter, none of these run three running backs are actually all that good on pass pro. And so that's slightly concerning to me, but my counterpoint to this fantasy argument is actually a little bit different in that, I think we're starting from like, we've, we've always said for years now that it's a passing league. Right. Uh, But there's something to be said about uh, running backs are maybe losing their focal points. Now we're seeing a lot more uh, committee backfields and Mm -hmm. even those uh, backfields with primary running backs, you know, Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, these guys are getting spelled fairly often. The Colts love Naeem Hines still for some reason. Um, I he was the second running back at NC State, and he's still the second running back in the NFL. And and he does some interesting things, but you know we're seeing less of a focal point uh, running back in the NFL. And I think fantasy owners are noticing that as well on the NFL side. And so when it comes down to it, do we need complete backs anymore? I, I'm not sure. Barnabas, who presents the biggest bust factor of these four? Allen, Sanders, Shipley, and Henderson. I th- I don't think Shipley's in the same conversation, to be fair. Uh, but I think I think of the top three, Henderson for sure. And what I noticed mm. from the six games I watched re- today, this morning, Henderson really needs at least a good block or two to get to that second level. And there's just, he's not, he gets, he falls forward. So it's, I'm not saying like he's, you know, about to get bounced around by defensive tackles, but he needs a little bit better blocking than someone like Allen or Sanders. I mentioned this on Saturday. Teams are stacking the box against these teams and they, they really are. You know, Henderson has the has the pleasure of having Egbuka, even this year, Egbuka, Harrison Jr. And, uh, you know, whoever- Julian like, Fleming. Julian uh, Fleming or JSN when he gets healthy, all lined up Marvin on the outside, Harrison, which, yeah. means, which means you have at least five guys in coverage on those three guys, which means you're, you can't stack the box more than six or seven, maybe. Um, and so- he always has that has that privilege while KJ Jefferson's not throwing all that many deep balls. And so Raheem Sanders is back there. They they're gonna stack that box because they can drop those linebackers into coverage if it's a pass play. Um and same thing with Braylon Allen up until now, apparently, because Wisconsin now wants to pass the ball all of a sudden. Um, but um Braylon Allen was seeing stocked boxes and this 17 year old is running over defenses last year too. And so, uh, you know, I think there's a little bit of shock factor. I, I mentioned also the attention fatigue. 
uh, mm-hmm. in that Henderson has been in the spotlight for so long because he just broke out so big on his freshman year. Um, and I think a- Allen might might face some of the similar things. I think teams will love that he's younger. And so I think his 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 draft capital stays high because of that. Um, although, you know, it, running back draft capital is tough to tough to uh, predict. But I, I think uh, Henderson has the biggest bust factor because teams will be convinced due to his production that he might be better than necessarily his stats might suggest. You can find Barnabas at PKJB Lee on Twitter and check out his fight card column every week at campus to Canton.com. Barnabas, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Barnabas is a smart guy. And just like Mike Valerie, we got Mike more involved in this show and what it is that we're doing. Barnabas, you're going to be seeing and hearing more from him because he adds interesting insight and he has insightful things uh, to say. So uh, follow, make sure you follow Barnabas. Um, Folks, prize picks, promo code C2C. Help this channel, this company, what it is that we're doing. Help us grow. One way you can do that is going ahead and making an initial deposit as at prize picks using promo code C2C. That helps us a little bit. You can get your money back player props, folks. You can catch the tailgate on Saturday morning, and we will help you with your prize picks players props. So go ahead. If you like, please like this video, subscribe to the channel. And if you haven't heard, on Saturday mornings, we are doing a college football show on the Better Sports app. So go ahead and down that, download that app. And Matt, I mean, should we tease something? Should we tease? Yeah, let's yeah. let's I mean, tease it slightly. You're the master of propaganda, so I'll let you tease it. I'll, when, whenever I have whatever you're about to tease, we'll talk a little bit more about it. You tease whatever okay. you want. Master of propaganda. So Matt and I, Matt Austin has been gone, and while he was gone – We stole the credit card numbers for the C2C (laughs) credit cards, and we are going to be doing some giveaways, and which will involve better sports. That's all I'm going to say for right now, but you're going to want to download that app and tune in for us uh, Saturday, between Saturday 8 and 10, and that show is year-round. I have no idea how we got a year-round radio show on the Better Sports app, uh, but go ahead and download the app. And then, of course, you join campus2can.com, get in our Discord. We've got some really nice tools that are coming down the pike. In addition to the year one zero tracker, which is absolutely awesome for our NIL members, but we got other tools. Rate and review the show. We would appreciate it. Let's move on here to um, Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers, this dynamic down there in Texas. Matthew, there was a article uh, in The Athletic, written by Ari Wasserman early this year, essentially diagramming and diagnosing what we already knew, that Quint Ewers was going to be there, that Arch Manning would be coming in in 2023 while uh, Ewers was a junior. And it was asked there in the article whether or not Arch Manning overplayed his car. Should he have committed somewhere else in light of Quint Ewers, how he's playing? I feel like Everybody's like, we know, we know how this was, we knew how this was going to shake out. What did you think about this piece in The Athletic? So I'm going to be honest. Um, I, I pulled it out for it and I just read the headline. I was like, yep, nope, it's not for me. I'm not going to waste my time reading this article uh, because it was kind of nonsense to me. I, I'm with you. 
maybe it's just because we're so plugged in that we kind of knew this was coming. But I saw a lot of people talking about Arch was expecting to start year one, and that's what him and his family believed. I don't necessarily believe that that's true. Isidore Newman plays some of the worst competition in all of the United States. I do not think Arch Manning is ready right now or will be ready next year to step onto the field and lead a college offense competently. I believe the plan all along, which is why Austin, who is not here, and myself talked about this when there was rumors about him possibly going to Georgia or Alabama or Texas. We both said, and I'm pretty sure on this show, don't go to Georgia. You want to <laughs> go to Alabama or you want to go to Texas because both those offenses will fit his skill set and great offensive minds there. You also have Nick Saban, not an offensive mind, just an incredible coach, one of the best we've ever seen. You sit for a year, and then you take over. I do not believe one second that Arch wanted to go and start as a true freshman. He's still going to get two years as a starter, which is – realistically, we've seen guys get draft capital for one year. And I think Arch could do that just based on his last name alone as long as he goes out there and looks competent. So I do not believe that was the fact at all. I think he's perfectly fine going to Texas knowing, hey, I'm going to sit for a year behind Quinn, learn from him, learn this offense, which I don't know how many of you guys watch that game. Sark was in his his MF and bag on Saturday with some of the play calls he was making. I've had a chance to watch the All-22. I wish I could just sit down for 30 minutes with Sark and just see how that dude's mind works. It is incredible, some of the plays that he draws up. But I think he wants to sit for a year, learn behind Quinn, learn that offense from Sark, and then come out firing. First year, unfortunately, SEC, which is going to kind of suck for him. But regardless... <laughs> come out firing as a Texas starter with a great team around him too. Like they're still going to have good wide receivers there. They got Jonte Cook coming in with them. Jatavian Sanders final year there, I believe. So like they'll have a good team. I, I don't believe for one second he's going to leave or wanted to start as a freshman. It's so weird that this leaked or whatever you <laughs> want to call it. Um, Cause I don't believe it's true either. So the Manning family is the football version of the Kardashians. Every single thing they do is planned down to the last detail. I refuse to believe that the Manning family did not know how good Queen Ewers was, that he would probably start this year and probably start next year, and whoever was advising Arch did not know all of this heading into whatever source gave this information to Ari Wasserman. Ari Wasserman is a wildly successful journalist at The Athletic. I don't want to discredit him or his sources in any capacity, but I don't believe this. I don't believe that. I don't believe that Arch thought that he would start next year. I don't think there was any discount of Quinn Ewers, who was a better prospect than Arch Manning was pretty much. I mean, by all recruiting services and by our evaluation at C2C, I don't think any of us think that these players are in the same tier uh, especially despite Arch being, you know, he's a very good quarterback. I don't want to discount him either, but yeah, I, I found this story just kind of bizarre. Cause I, I just don't think that the it's, advisors were telling Arch that he could start behind over Quinn. Ewers. It's essential. It's a non, it's a non story. You're not going to defame him. I it would is. say that sometimes journalists don't think for themselves. And as I'm reading this article, I'm like, in no disrespect, <laughs> We should call this show no disrespect. No disrespect. I said but it's no like disrespect. Ari, Ari Wasserman does not know what he's talking about. Nobody considered uh, 
that Quinn, or excuse me, that Arch Manning was going to start. And he's like five star quarterbacks had this expectation to start. Who? DJ Uyunglele? Bryce Young? JJ McCarthy? That's in the in the recent years. No, I don't think that that's necessarily. Caleb Williams didn't even start, uh, uh, at least from from day one, his his freshman year. Um, I don't think that that's true. And then I'm, as I'm reading this article, he's talking about anywhere Arch Manning w- would have gone, he would have had a competition. And he named two examples. He named going to Georgia, he would have had to compete with Brock Vandegrift. Brock Vandegrift isn't even the backup in Georgia. What are you talking about? Carson Beck is. So he doesn't know what he's talking about. There's probably two quarterbacks above Brock Vandegrift. He's right. No, yeah, he's competing with Brock Vandegrift to be like the, uh, the, what is it, the scout team guy. Scout team quarterback. Competing with Jackson Muschamp. But then the other situation that he named was Alabama, and he mentioned Ty Simpson. Ty Simpson's not in the lead to be the starter there at Alabama. It's Jalen Milrow. So QB Ford, Alabama, Arch Manning. He's probably well-informed, and undoubtedly he's well-informed, but I think that sometimes journalists aren't actually thinking for themselves. None of us here had Arch Manning potentially competing to be the starter in 2023. It's just, not only that, Arch Manning's not even the best quarterback in the class, so I don't know why his expectation would be to to start uh, there in 2023. He might not even be the second or third best quarterback in the class, depending on who you ask. But I, one one more thing I will say it, it, before we close out the discussion is that the commitment of Arch Manning is a turning page for the Texas program, regardless of whether or not you think Arch Manning is a quality player. Agreed. He His commitment to Thank me God. signifies that Texas is back. And like it's been a meme for a very long time, Texas is back. I truly believe that. I mean, this team is probably going to end up top four odds for the national championship when uh-huh. we end the year, this, this team is back. Texas is back. And the $280,000 weekend spent around getting Arch Manning to commit, it was worth it. I mean, I'll say I think they were back when they got Quinn to come back there. But I know, you know, we were a little bit higher on Quinn. I would like to point out, and again, this is just how plugged in we are to college football. In Todd's thing here, if you've been following us for a while, you're 100% right, Todd, because I called this back in March. I you have to read the comment because most people are listening. I'm bad. Arch's recruitment has gone exactly how Matt reported it would from his Elite 11 report. For those of you who missed that, I want to say it was in March. I don't remember. It may have been May. We all, as a as a company, decided we were going to go to these Elite 11s around the country to kind of get an idea of how these next quarter, this next crop of quarterbacks was going to look. And at the Dallas Regional, where it was reported at, at first that they thought Arch might actually come to that one instead of the one in Louisiana, he did not. I 100% eavesdropped on multiple important people having a conversation about Arch Manning, where I will say the one thing they did say. They said that he was going to Texas way before there was even reports he was going to go to Texas. But they did say they felt, as in the coaches and some of the play, the the head people that were talking, I did not name – I think I may have named the names in our Discord. I will not name them here because, again, I was eavesdropping. I don't want to falsely credit anybody, but I'm pretty sure they were all talking about the same thing. They actually all said they believe Arch is better than Quinn. I completely disagree with that take, but that was part of the discussion based around that that I talked about in the Elite 11 report. So thank you, Todd, for that. I appreciate it. If Quinn, if Quinn's last name was, if his name was Quinn Manning and Arch's name was, was Arch Ewers, what do you think the uh, perception would be? <laughs> that right now we've, we're going to see, he's already a Hall of Famer. Just start fitting him for a gold jacket right now. In Pretty Manning. much, right? I, I give Matt a lot of crap. 
uh, on this show, but he is very plugged in and credible. He doesn't necessarily report things because he will not go on Twitter and say this breaking news, but the things that he shares with our Discord and with us internally uh, end up coming to pass and end up being accurate and true. So if you want that sort of information, you're going to have to join CampusToCanton.com. There's one big one coming next year that I've been trying to tell you guys, and you keep fighting me around okay. a certain QB battle in a certain state that may rhyme with Bo, Bo Bio. Uh-huh. Is Curtis, Curtis Rourke going to get you served? Yeah, remember, it's Curtis O'Rourke. Oh, oh, top of the, top of the morning top to the you, morning. Curtis O'Rourke. <laughs> you all are making up names. Let's. Are you all ready for this red meat? Um, oh, we are going to be yet. talking about our biggest misses thus far in the 2022 season. Matt, I think the floor is yours for what? The next 30, 35 minutes? How much time do you need? Yeah, yeah. Do we block out the full 30? I wasn't sure how much time I could have here. Uh, man, my biggest one, and I was trying to go back and find the episode. I do not have it. Uh, me and Mox got into a fairly heated debate about Jackson Dart versus Caleb Williams. And this is going to be a massive L for me. And that I felt like Jackson Dart... I still don't think Dart is as horrible as he's shown, but he is clearly does not deserve to be in the same atmosphere as as Moxley. For those of you who are missing, just to to set the scene here, is dabbing all over the place in his studio. Uh, he does not deserve to be in the same conversation as as Caleb. Um, I talked a lot about how I felt like Caleb needed to improve as a passer. Well, check, he's done that. He's looked really good uh, so far this year. Uh, you know, I thought Dart would look better in this in this Kiffin offense, but my goodness, that was a a massive. I think that's probably going to be the biggest L I'm going to take here so far, outside of if Kyle McCord does not win the starting job next year. That the, the, those two are going to be two of my biggest misses if that does not come to fruition. Kendall Milton, I ever since back in my dynasty nerds days, I had him, I believe, as like my RB two or three in this class. I just felt like he was he was talented. I like the way that he, I thought he was a decent receiver, good running back going to Georgia. I was like, RBU, this is a can't miss guy. I mean, I know Jared keeps saying that he's, he's still getting the rock and he's looking good. I mean, I don't even think he's like a top three back at Georgia right now. I, I would be very surprised if he gets day two draft cap. I believe on, on chasing the natty, either today's show with Moxley or Monday, he mentioned he thinks Milton might end up coming back. I don't think he goes second round, even if he comes back and goes and comes out next year. Uh, I just I think Milton has been a massive miss for me. He was in my top ten RB rankings this uh, just to kick off the season. Uh, my other one is just is three wide uh, on Milton, a high cut north and south runner with yeah. no real passing ability, who hasn't been able to command any. A, a, a significant amount of the shares there at Georgia during his three years there. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he um, declares for the NFL draft. I don't think he does. But at the same time, Andrew Paul and Branson Robinson are just better players than he is. Uh, he should transfer to, to like some G5 school where he can have a 1,500-yard season. That might be the saving grace for his draft capital. Uh, my last one is three wide receivers that I had ranked. I'm pretty sure all three were in my top 24. Uh, Konata Mumfield, where I feel like I did give a small qualifier on him that I felt like he could be hurt because of how bad Keaton Slovis has been. Well, that offense has been bad altogether, Pitt, but he's done absolutely nothing. Um, it's been very disheartening for a guy that I thought could end up being a day two guy. 
And then DJ Allen and Keon Grace, two freshmen that I was extremely high on, had them both highly ranked in my rankings coming into the season. I thought would both easily smash year one zero stuff. Uh, DJ Allen, I believe, is not even taking a snap. Uh, Keon Grace, I think, is taking two uh, and has not have a catch. Uh, just just massive misses. Um, and I'm serious at this point, week six in, like I'm just praying they hit some of the thresholds now. Like I'm hoping and praying every single week that like just something happens. Um, you know, Jordan Hudson is abducted by aliens or something for a day, and then they just throw DJ Allen out there for a couple plays so he breaks some year one zero theories because it's not looking good for two of my favorite wide receivers in this class. Moxley, you want to jump in these waters? I'm probably not going to have a lot to say here. I haven't really been wrong about anything. I was going to – I got a lot, actually. I uh, I basically thought of everything I got wrong and just – put it on the sheet so let's let's see uh give us a few of them give us a few oh you're gonna get a long you're i'm not gonna explain them all but you're gonna get a laundry list at the end uh i said pump the brakes on marvin harrison jr that i thought he was overrated uh that looks like a big mistake because he's being (laughs) evaluated as a top five pick i I traded him for stefan diggs this week so yeah uh he's definitely being valued that high Egg on my face. I said Quentin Johnson should be considered closer to one wide receiver one than wide receiver three. Uh, big week this week, but I'm pretty sure that one isn't going to come to fruition. Uh, I took the over on Jermaine Burton's receiving yards this year at Alabama because uh, I thought that he would be a good fitness offense and <laughs> emerges wide receiver one. Uh, he's emerging as wide receiver done. Um, I said that Houston would be the best team in the, the group of five. Uh, pretty sure that we have a quit factor and Dana Holgerson is on the hot seat. I said Deuce Vaughn would be essentially fine with Adrian Martinez. I ranked him as my RB1 in CFF this year. Joke's on me. Adrian Martinez is stealing all of his touchdowns. And then a laundry list. I thought Jordan Waters would be the wider, the RB1 at Duke. Joke's on me. Jonah Coleman took his job. I ranked Jared Dogie over uh, Reed at Western Kentucky. Reed clearly is the he's the better quarterback. Uh, I misread the Texas State offense, and Ashton Hawkins has emerged as a top 24 receiving option for the Bobcats. Chris Smith, I thought, would actually be good for Louisiana this year. He stinks. Uh, I thought Oklahoma might win the Big 12. They are awful, and hiring a defensive coach made their defense apparently even worse. I thought Devin Leary could be quarterback three and that Devin Leary was working his way into a potential round one conversation. And both of those are, couldn't be further than the truth. Uh, so really quick, cause I forgot about those two. I was with Mox on Houston. I actually believe I said either on this show or on campus life where I was invited on for some hot takes. I'm pretty sure I said Houston would be in the conversation for a playoff spot at the end of the year. Oh, I they went undefeated. So that didn't work out. Yeah. And NC state, yeah. me and Mox, I know we're both all in on NC state. I think yeah, going undefeated and winning the ACC. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. I had, and, and you I know had... One more for our boy cut tiger here. I said Clemson was going to suck. Props to you, my friend, because uh, they are not. They are making me look like an idiot. Yeah, the DJ. Yeah, I, th- I think a bunch of us said that Kate Klubnik would get the starting job at some point this year. I well, doubt that's when I was not on that train, but I was on the Clemson will suck train. So yeah, I I thought he would get the job. DJU was awful last year, and he has been honestly pretty good. Can't argue with that. Mm. 
I, I saw somebody talk about him in the first round conversation. Okay, I'm, I'm not. I'm not there. <laughs> I was like, Look, no. I'm telling no. you, it's going to keep happening all year. Unfortunately, I don't. I still don't think if he comes out to the 2023 NFL draft, I don't even think he gets drafted. He's um, still missing so many throws, like yeah. consistently too. It, it happens way more than you need. Mox, you mentioned Deuce Vaughn. Is he a better or worse running back prospect than Naheem Hines? Better. I think, I think by a good, amount, a good amount, too, because he actually has led his backfield uh, as an RB1. Nobody's really challenged yeah. him for the tu- the carries aspect. Obviously, we know he's a pretty good receiver, but, uh, I mean, he's been efficient, and he's getting a lot of carries. The issue, the issue this year is that his touchdowns are being vultured by Adrian Martinez. Like, he's still being a productive back in short. Sure. And, and that's, a, that's a CFF issue, but I'm thinking that NC2C, when he's – does he carry some value going to the NFL side of your rosters? I I think I drafted him in our, our draft, right? That we that we had last week. Um, yeah, yeah, in third yeah, round, it, I think. yeah, in the yeah. third round. I mean, I think he could be. I think that he has the best chance of anyone that I've seen recently sub one eighty five to make him in the draft because we've seen him perform at a high level uh, running the ball, and, yeah. and that's something that you generally don't see from guys that size. The only concern that I have, and I, I think Noah Hills and I talked about it in the offseason, was his his three closest comps were Darren Sproles, Tariq Cohen, and Gary Payton. <laughs> and, uh, get, or Walter get, Payton, uh, sorry. Walter Payton. Walter yeah, Walter Payton, Payton. Yeah. Not, not the glove. <laughs> um, but he's still like 15, 20 pounds lighter than those guys. So I, there's not a good comp out there for him. So I, I wonder what his upside is in the NFL. I He's an NFL player though. Like he's going to make a 53 man roster and be, be he's going to have RB one weeks in the NFL. In my opinion. He just, he's just good. He's just a good player. He's, he's such a good receiver out of the backfield and all of these leagues are PPR. Like if you're in a dynasty rookie draft, I think he is somebody that I would be targeting like in the middle of the second round. Cause that there's so much turnover at the position. You need somebody like, Deuce Vaughn, who can do really everything. The only question I have about him is if he gets touched at all in the in the hole, is he just going to fall over? That's the only question that I have. About, He's got pretty good contact Vaughn. balance, in my opinion, for a guy who's like he, what, he what, does. What he does, but I don't know that he's necessarily going to break any like wraps or uh, uh, if if a DB gets his arm arm on him, you know, I don't know that he can break um, those types of tackles. So, all right. Uh, let me get to mine. Uh, uh, we came on the show and we talked about a draft where I took Devin Brown over Quinn Ewers. Who's going to be the better NFL prospect? That remains to be seen. However, we knew that Devin Brown <laughs> that remains to be seen. We knew that Devin Brown was not, true. Competing, was not competing for the starting position in 2022, and Quinn Ewers was. So in that respect, I should have probably gone yours, especially given that he was uh, in the offense that he's in. St- you want to have Steve Sarkeesian's quarterback rostered. And when it's somebody as highly touted as Quinn Ewers, I probably should have gone with yours there at number one over uh, the Ohio State freshman, Anthony Brown. I said that Anthony Richardson could be the 101, I believe, in the 2023 class. I don't think that Anthony Richardson is coming. Some of these takes are still in the incubator. The Anthony Richardson's take is still baking. I don't think that we've seen the final product yet. We don't have a cake yet on dude. Anthony that shit, dude. That shit is burnt. 
If it's still baking, that, that shit is <laughs> I disagree with you. I disagree with you. He it's his first full season as the starter. We're not even done with the season, but I said that he could be the 101 in 2023. He's he, not gonna happen. Let me give you credit here, actually, before you move on to the next take. He could be the 101 if he transitions to tight end, because I think yeah. he's in a really, yeah. really good athlete. He might be the, a mismatch more, in that position. The more athletic Taysom Hill, baby. Let's go. <laughs> um, we could see he's I think he's gonna come back and we could see him further develop and be a first round pick next year in 2024. I had Hunter Deckers all the way up to quarterback 12 or so. Um, he has not flashed, but again, like Anthony Richardson, this is Hunter Decker's first season incubator season as the starter. That take is still in the incubator. I was very that's high. what I that's what I'm gonna say about everything. By by the way, Jalen Rager still in the incubator. We don't know what he is at the NFL level yet. Jalen Rager has how many seasons starting? How many seasons getting opportunity? This is we do not we do not care. Time getting a, a starter's opportunity for both of those quarterbacks. I thought that Chris Tyree could potentially outproduce what Kyron Williams did uh, last year for Notre Dame, given Chris Tyree's, you know, he ran a 4-2-40. He had been kick returner there. I thought that he would, and, and that that um, offensive line at Notre Dame was said to be r- really good, and they were going to have Tyler Buchner, who presented a dual threat, a, a legitimate dual threat uh, 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 ability. And so uh, linebackers would be have to would have to read him and read option. I thought that Chris Tyree was going to be deployed, and they had injuries. Logan Diggs was hurt. Like the only healthy body other than Chris Tyree was Audric Estime. I thought that he was going to go off this year. That hadn't been the case. Notre Dame hasn't been really good at all. Another running back that I thought was going to have actually these last two are running back takes. I had Gavin Williams at Iowa coming in, subbing in for Tyler Goodson. They had the bowl game last year against Kentucky. He he had 90-something yards in that game. I was like, whoa, this guy is big. He's explosive. He looks like he can catch the ball. He's going to step right in for Tyler Goodson. I had him all the way up to RB23, something like that. He's been injured, but even if he wasn't, that Iowa offense, historically bad. I've got Gavin Williams rostered in so many places and it must be something about the Williams name because Tay McWilliams who was projected to be the starter uh, there at Baylor who was who was the starter early on for Baylor um, but not recruited by Jeff Grimes not recruited by Dave Aranda Dave Aranda Tay McWilliams begins the season then he's injured and I think that he's he's not getting that job back from Richard Reese who that coaching staff did recruit the true freshman uh, Reese there at Baylor had been very high on on Tay McWilliams, but I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. So there you go. Our biggest misses thus far for the 2022 season. Any uh, recap or thoughts or elaborations on any of that boys? Yeah, I should have. I, I wish I had gone last because I would have just said all my stuff was in the incubator too. Yeah, no, no. I mean, we're halfway, no. we're halfway through the season. I mean, Quentin Johnston, incubator. Yeah, Marvin Harrison, incubator. Yeah, Jermaine Burton, incubator. I mean, <laughs> sheesh, sheesh. Like, I could, I, I mean, I, we could be incubating so many. Tapes, I, I, man. You know what? I do want to ask one one serious question because I, I, I'm, I do believe that Richardson goes back as well. You say 1 1 then in 2024. 
I would like to put a friendly wager down that he does not go before Quinn Ewers or Caleb Williams in 2024 with him coming back. No. What not do you mean in dynasty rookie drafts or drafted? What do you mean? Dynasty rookie drafts. Put your money where your mouth is. No. We're dead uh, in the game. Yeah, that's what I'm I thought. That's I'm, not what I thought. I'm not taking that. I'm not, I'm not taking that bait. Um, I'm not taking that bait. If you want to support what it is that we're doing, go ahead and check out campusdecanton.com. 99% of what we do around here is completely free, including subscribing here to the YouTube page. Uh, down, get our podcasts on Apple Podcasts. We've always got uh, new audio content, new reading content, uh, new content uh, via video. And then spend your Saturdays with us. Better sports from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. The tailgate from 1030 to 12. College fantasy tonight, whenever that primetime game uh, goes off. I have no idea whose idea that that was staying up that late, but we always have a good time. Last week's show was very, very good. Barnabas was on there. We had a good time. And John Lobb, the gridiron scholar himself, will be joining us this week Ooh. for college fantasy tonight. But that is going to be it for us. Uh, I forgot how I forgot how I end the show. All right. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We will get him rescheduled soon. For Chris Moxley and Matt Bruning, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Side of the field. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25. And Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State National Champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown! touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years, their 17th overall. Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter Renfro caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro, and Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill. Just in front of his end zone, has a man out there, it is Ranger, and he's off to the races, nobody will catch him! <laughs> 93 yards for the freshman! He made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry, he'll add to that! Goodbye, touchdown Ohio State. From 52 yards.